each class gets to figure out what do they really want to try to replicate here in this traditional school and what do they not care about. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to the July edition of Learning Unboxed. As many of you know, we tend to take the month of July off, but we have heard from our loyal listeners that you would love content during your summer vacation. So we have crafted a set of four episodes to run during the July holiday that are all about exploring student agency. For those working to make a meaningful shift in your classrooms, schools, and communities, the most crucial place to start is making the decision to shift from a teacher-led ecosystem to one that is student-led. But this shift can be daunting. So join us as we explore four examples of student-centered learning that demonstrate what's possible. So let's head to California, New York, Idaho, and Colorado to learn from educators who have embraced student agency. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, super excited because of the conversations that we get to have about innovative and transformative educational programs from around the country and around the world. And today, I'm really excited because we get to talk about the Village High School in Academy School District 20 in Colorado Springs. And joining us is founding principal of the Village um, High School, um, Nathan Gorsh. And he is going to share with us a little bit, first and foremost, about what the Village High School is, why it's a unique hybrid model, and why folks out there thinking about transformative education should really consider uh, some of the components that um, Nathan's going to share with us. And joining Nathan is um, Katie Flanagan, or Flan, as I understand she is called, um, who's a teacher um, at the Village High School, and Kate Bennett and Kenny uh, Dufault to our students. So welcome to the program, everybody. Great, Annalise. Thanks for having us. We appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about our school um, and probably most excited to hear from our students uh, that are going to be sharing a little bit about their experience. But uh, yeah, I'm Nathan Gorsh and I'm the founding principal of Village High School. And really, we uh, sought out about nine years ago to reinvent high school. Felt like our current model did not serve students well. Um, obviously, it's a factory model and doesn't really match the modern workplace. So decided that we wanted to reinvent school, kind of with the idea if we were to uh, start school from scratch, what would it look like? Um, and kind of build those components in. Um, so we started with 25 ninth graders in a modular behind one of our traditional high schools. And in a pretty short period of time, have grown to 450 students with about 250 students on a waiting list. Um, it's really kind of taken off. Um, students have, a, I think, a pretty awesome experience, but we'll let them share here shortly uh, about their experience as we try to move more into a, a high school that, that maybe mimics the modern workplace mm -hmm. more than our traditional model does. Yeah, and I'm super excited to have that conversation. Before we move on to um, Katie, our teacher, and our two students, one, one quick question that I have for you, Nathan. So, 
So as, as the school district says, hey, let's try this new thing, right? I mean, lots of school districts are talking about, hey, let's try this new thing. And many of them are even admitting that a lot of things are not working. So I guess before we sort of get into the nuts and bolts of how the program works, what, what was that conversation like? I mean, what was that, that impetus beyond just, hey, we need to make a change, but then you create this particular type of program in particular? Because honestly, lots of districts talk about this, but very few actually pull the trigger, as we know. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, I wouldn't say that there was impetus from our district. Um, I think that some urgency was created. I, I often joke that if you were to look at maybe the worst places to try to innovate in America, I'm not sure our district would be at the bottom, but we'd probably be in the bottom 10%. Um, there's our, our schools here are, are pretty successful. Our community is pretty happy with our schools. Um, but yet I, I was a, an assistant principal at one of our traditional high schools that by reputation is a great school. Um, uh, but I walked around and I saw kids disengaged. Um, it wasn't the kind of place I would want to send my own children to. And I, I, I just felt like we could, we could do better. And, and our traditional model was shortchanging our kids. So funny enough, really tried to create this, this sense of change and this sense of urgency in a place that, frankly, wasn't really asking for it. Um, I'll never forget the superintendent at the time when I kind of rolled out this idea and this dream. Um, I'll never forget what he said to me is he said, I will support you going out on that limb, uh-huh. which unpacked that phrase. Um, <laughs> So if it doesn't work, we're going to cut it off. Um, You're really kind of going out on your own. This is like, this is your thing. Um, But it it, kind of, that's the way we were treated, to be honest with you, for for a period of time until we kind of had proof of concept. And then funny enough, as we had proof of concept, as as students started flocking to this program and we kind of had a substantial waiting list, um, our, our current superintendent actually found us a new building and and said, you know what, this is this is the future of education and we need to support it. We've already outgrown our current space. We've been in this space for about two years and we've already outgrown this space. And so we're trying to figure out what are the next steps for us. But but the big kind of impetus for change was was the student experience. I mean I I, I think students, even the students that were successful, didn't necessarily like school. They weren't happy being there. They didn't love the way they spent their time. Um, and so, and then the secondary piece to that is I don't think teachers were happy and I don't think teachers liked the way they spent their time. So we really said, let's reinvent, really thinking about the student experience and the staff experience and let's start there and then and then kind of go backwards to build our systems to support the student and, and teacher experience. Yeah, I really love that. And I will tell you that, you know, I've I've spoken with so many founders um, on this program. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, yeah, you go out on that limb. Well, we'll support you to do that, right? So I think that's a fairly common sort of uh, uh, a reality for folks that, uh, you know, choose to stand out on that limb. So, you know, good on you for, for doing that. So Kate, as a student, I'm super curious about... You know, you have all kinds of options in your community. Why did you choose? Why did you choose the Village High School? What is it for you? This is actually only my second year going to Village High School. I went to a traditional high school for two years, and I loved the opportunity of freedom that this school offered. And I loved that I didn't have to feel like I 
like school was a chore to go do it. School is something that I now want to do because Mm -hmm. of the opportunities that the school has granted. Mm -hmm. And you're a senior this year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to come back around to what does it mean to be a senior at a school like this in just a second? I got loads of questions. Um, But um, Kenny, same question to you. So um, you, I believe you said were a sophomore, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I'm a sophomore here at the village. And so why did you choose the village? Why did this appeal to you? Well, I'm not originally from Colorado. I live in Arkansas during the summers. I billet here or I live here to play hockey at the top level. And this school really helps me be able to do so because of the freedom, because of the, the flexibility that I have and doing my home, my homework, my schoolwork, just communicating with teachers is so much easier here. So for you, flexibility. So I'm really super curious, um, Katie, as a teacher, so both of the students have, have, have led with, I love the freedom of this place. So I, I need you to explain to me what's the structure of that freedom, right? So that our listeners can get that. And then and then the same question, actually, I have to you, why would you choose to be a teacher in this type of setting? What was the appeal for you? <clears throat> okay, so structure of the place mm-hmm. is really, um, hard to explain, but <laughs> we use an online program in order to free things up for students to do all sorts of other stuff. So we don't love online school, but it allows us to do the really cool things that we do. So students come here. Um, it, we're not about doing online at home. Students come in most days. They make a schedule that works for them. It's more of a college type schedule where you pick what time of day you're going to go to school. Um, so like Kenny doesn't come in the morning because he's skating and oftentimes is gone Thursday, Friday because he's somewhere else in the country playing hockey. Um, so students do their core classes online and us teachers just kind of manage that. So I don't have to create my biology curriculum. It's already there and kids can work at whatever they want. So I have kids who are still in unit two and I have kids who are already in the second semester. Um, but then I'm there to support them with it. But what's the best part, I think, is um, all the classes that we get to teach in person. So our electives, we have so many crazy different electives. Like I teach AP Bio Lab. The students learn the AP Bio content on their own, but they come to me for lab. Um, I also teach a freshman seminar. I teach a bioethics class. Um, Students came to me and wanted an intro to med class. We had one online, but they wanted one in person. So... I said, sure, like you find the students to take it. And now have 30 kids in it and they have designed the whole thing. Like we've brought in guest speakers. They're getting CPR and first aid certified. Just really, they have chosen how to run that class. Um, and then I teach an international foods class where <laughs> I can't cook. <laughs> My brother is the one that works at Michelin starred restaurants, but I can't cook. So we research different restaurants and cultures and geography, and then we go eat at those places. I want to um, take that class. Sign me up. Right? <laughs> so because they are doing their math, their science, their social studies, their English online, we get to do so many cool other experiences. Um, and the other thing that that does for me as a teacher is it frees me up that I'm not straight lecturing all day long. Um, I teach a variety of classes, but I also have more time to mentor students. 
one of our core um, philosophies is about mentoring these students and being there with them as they struggle through or they they're doing great or they fail and we help them figure out how to get through it. Um, and so I have more time with kids personally than I ever did before because I had to be focused on the lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I really love that. And I'm, I'm super curious, Nathan, this, this is a full on hybrid program. And so then how, cause I, one of the things I can imagine that folks that are listening to this, they're like, okay, how does that then translate against the standards that I'm required to teach the uh, requirements for, you know, state of Colorado's graduation? How does that, you know, circling back around to, um, you know, that senior experience, you know, I'm applying for colleges. How does the outside world think about what I've just done? So how do you you help folks understand those components, Nathan? Yeah. And just to piggyback quickly off, off what Katie said. So I tell people up front, I'm not a fan of online schools. I actually think they're a terrible idea, but I'm a huge fan of online learning. Um, and the framework, I, I think we've shifted the framework. The power of online learning in most places is location. Here, we believe the real power of online learning is personalization. So I think if somebody like Kate and her previous school with 25 students in a class, the teacher can't create 25 different lesson plans. So we make kids run a race as a group. Don't go too fast. Don't go too slow. Stay with the group. Well, human nature says, I want to run my own race. So if I'm being successful, I want to go faster. If I'm struggling, I want to slow down. And so all we're doing is, is leveraging, I think, human nature of what is the pace you want to learn this material with the deadline being you have to get your work done by the end of the semester because we still pose traditional grades at the end of the semester, even with some caveats with some flexibility around that. So these students get a curriculum that is designed specifically for them. So if they know material, they can actually test out of it. Um, and so we don't waste their time. And instead, they can really dig in deep on areas that, that maybe they aren't successful or that they haven't already mastered. So, which leads into the second question, um, we actually, we're in a very high-performing school district. The Air Force Academy is part of our school district, um, and, and we're, the, we're the largest school district in Colorado to be accredited with distinction. Oh, and by the way, the highest test scores at the high school level in our entire district belong to Village High School. Yay. Now, yes, <laughs> which is awesome, and I'm never going to lead with that because I'm right. more proud of the culture. I'm yeah. more proud of kids feeling a connection here. But I believe with all my heart that if you connect kids to school, you put amazing adults in front of them, you give them a personalized curriculum, they're going to perform really, really well. Um, And so, yeah, we've had students. um, We have several of our graduates at at the Air Force Academy. Um, Our students are getting into the schools that they want to get into. But I believe that it's not just about getting into school because we practice being college students. Our students operate like they're in college from the time they're a freshman. So when they leave us, they have a different skill set than students in our traditional schools around time management, communication with adults, grit and determination when I don't feel like working, kind of all the things that we know lead to post-secondary success. We give our kids the opportunity to practice every day. 
Yeah. Yeah. You are really sort of leading in that space of student agency. And we talk about that frequently um, on this program, but I, I don't know that I've seen a, a better example um, of that um, in terms of what you're doing. And I would imagine that, um, you know, students very much like Kenny who find themselves there because it gives them the flexibility to pursue, you know, a non-academic thing that I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect, Kenny, that hockey is super important to you and it's going to be super important to you even post high school, right? That you have aspirations in that space. So I'm curious, you know, as you go through and think about the opportunities that you have at Village High School, in particular, the creativity around the vast diversity of electives that you have, how do you make decisions? How do you make choices? I mean, I I get the online pieces, you're going to meet your core requirements, but how do you make decisions and balance your time as it relates to the electives you get to choose? What does that look like for you? So, yeah, um, my electives are, I would say the teachers make it pretty flexible for students like myself who are traveling and who just may not be able to get to school every day. Um, Yeah, like I am in the intro to medicine class and I am able to take quizzes earlier, take them after. I'm able to work ahead, work after my tournaments during the week. Um, Yeah, so... I I have tournaments on the weekends, Thursday through Sunday. I have to either get it done before, all my work done before or after. I put that on myself. So it is a lot of a lot of individual kind of like discipline, but it it is necessary and it it will come eventually. What other elective taking? Maybe that might be a great place to start too. Yeah, so I take Spanish two, um, intro to medicine. Um, I have a freshman or not a sophomore elective that I have to go to every week. Um, uh, sports science, sports Sports science. science. Yes. Sports Mm -hmm. science. I actually just went to that club. (laughs) How'd you choose them? Um, well I do. So I have to skate in the mornings and afternoons. So I have to build my schedule around that. These classes are around lunchtime. So I'm able to get to get to practice and then get to school and i'm it's it's i do this at the beginning of the year i kind of build my schedule around my mm-hmm. practices which is because i get to focus on that and have the luxury of getting a good ed- education as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that very applied opportunity for you to be thinking about it so kate i'm also curious for you what, you know, as a senior and having had experience both more traditional high school and then opting into this, um, you know, we always talk about the incredibly wonderful things about these programs um, because they are incredibly wonderful in many ways. But we also recognize that, you know, anything that is super innovative is also hard on a whole host of different levels. They're they're hard to start. They're hard to sustain. They're hard to keep going. They're hard to explain. Take your pick. So I'm super curious for from you, you know, as a senior, having had both of those experiences, what was hard about this? It was hard getting adjusted initially. I wasn't used to have to manage my own time. I was constantly on the time of my teachers at my previous school. And so it did take a little bit of time to find that motivation and determination so that I could finish my work on my timeline. But once I got into the hang of it, it I just thrived from there. I was able to 
keep my schedule at a place where it was nice for me and I could do my schoolwork, but also use my time to hang out with my friends or play volleyball or coach, which is what I do for my job. And it has just been great to have that flexibility, but it was hard getting adjusted to the initial part of finding my own timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes freedom is like that big giant white piece of paper or that whiteboard, right? You says, okay, let's brainstorm an idea. And you're like, I don't even know where to start. So, um, you know, as it relates to those pieces, Katie, what do you see from the students in terms of where, where's the struggle points in this, this innovative system, I guess? Yeah. Um, what Kate said of learning how to manage your time, we were actually just talking about that in my freshman seminar class. And we were talking about gaming the system versus true learning and when it's to do which. Um, and so also a struggle for teachers and students is letting them figure it out on their own while they're, while we're walking beside them. So it's really hard sometimes as a teacher to not like try to fix it all for the student, right? And make them get these things in on time. But instead, as mentors, we're there with them. They know that we're there with them. We can help them brainstorm plans. We can help them brainstorm time management, all of those types of things. Um, but when it comes down to it, it, it's up to them. And I was telling our freshmen today, we would rather they struggle with that right now <clears throat> while we're all here to help them, rather than in college when they're paying tens of thousands of dollars. And there's other really different things going on in life. And we're not there to walk with them. So I think that's a challenge. If I can, if I can just jump in, I, I think a great analogy that, that kind of spells this out is here. We are very, very clear that students are in the driver's seat of their experience. Um, and I would say in most schools, the adults are in the driver's seat. And the best analogy is that when you teach a teenager to drive, you, you can tell them about it. But you can't actually teach them to drive without letting them be in the driver's seat and give give them some coaching. And part of that coaching is knowing that they're going to mess some things up and that it's going to be scary. But I don't. You can't learn how to drive without driving, and I don't think you can learn how to be an adult without being an adult. And and here we just kind of pull that college or adult workplace experience down into a younger level with a lot of support around and a lot of backseat drivers. To, to give instruction and to, to help them learn how to navigate being in the driver's seat while it's still a safe place to do so. <laughs> I think another struggle is um, we just don't have a lot of the traditional stuff that high schools have. And for some students, that's perfectly fine. Like they want no pardon. But other students are wondering if they're missing out on like, um, a lot of them play sports at other schools, but are they missing out on sporting events or proms or that type of thing? And so... We, um, Nathan's great about letting the students run that. And we've had some really weird, um, proms, <laughs> uh, where we come to school dressed up on a Friday or whatever for prom, um, food trucks, all sorts of stuff, because the kids came up with that idea one year. Um, but now there's some kiddos who they're like, we want a traditional prom. We want to go to like a hotel ballroom, that type of thing. And Nathan said, okay, what would it look like? And so there's a group of students planning that and finding out from the rest of the school what they want. So we're kind of learning and each group, each class gets to figure out 
what do they really want to try to replicate here that's traditional school and what do they not care about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because, um, you know, at, at past, and Nathan um, knows a little bit about this from me talking about it. So when we sort of think about that early college experience and the the opportunity to provide student agency, we see those same growth experiences that you're talking about. Um, my son is a freshman now by experience, but a sophomore and a half by credits um, at Ohio State because he participated in a program very much like um, what you're you're talking about. And I think that one of the most intriguing things now, stepping back from it because I helped design the program that he went through, but now I get to be the mom on the flip side because that kid's in college. And what I can tell you, some of the intriguing pieces Um, you know, um, for me was being able to watch where he could navigate fully independently and make those decisions and where those pain points still are, because the reality is you're still talking about somebody that's only 18 years old. And although we stick this label, we call you an adult because you had this magical birthday 18 years later, right? That's not necessarily the case in the same way that, you know, the school doesn't traditionally fit everybody. And so I'm curious, um, I'm, I'm super curious, both Kenny and Kate, neither one of you can feel free to opt in. When you sort of think about what's coming, right, the, the future that you have, what are you concerned about in terms of, you know, the, the educational experience you had? Because I will tell you that in my conversations with my son, the, the pain points were not the ones he thought they were going to be. And I think that's the case, obviously, for, for, for all kids. But I'm super curious, you know, as you're going through your experience right now, what are you, what are you concerned about? I would say I'm probably concerned about not being able to have as flexible as a schedule. You know, you have the required classes that you have to take in college if you already know what degree path you're going down or whatever the case may be. I'm used to so much freedom here and being able to customize my schedule to whatever is working for me, but college is a little bit of a different story depending on where you course. But I would say that's probably my biggest concern. If I could jump in, I would love Kate to talk a little bit. Kate's mom works at the local university, so she might have a little different perspective also. Do you, I mean, do you have those conversations with mom about how this might translate to college? Yeah, I definitely do. I've been able to take a lot of college courses through dual enrollment because of my mom working there, but that opportunity is also available to all kinds of students. But I do feel a little bit more prepared because I've been able to have those college classes and being able to taught at being taught at that higher level. But that is also translated into everybody's being taught at that higher level in college. And so it that'll be a little bit more of an adjustment that it's not high school level anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody is mm-hmm. taught. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kenny? Any thoughts on that? I would say I would. Uh, I've, I've I've gotten pretty used to the family environment here uh, with the teachers. Like they're kind of all mentors to me. Uh, all the staff, actually, even our from our officer to Nathan, like they're all they've been great. So I think just 
kind of being more on your own, just, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say it, just more out there on your own and mm-hmm. kind of doing your own thing, yeah, not having yeah. people by your side. All- yeah, that can be a scary thing. I know. I think that's absolutely legitimate. I'm, I'm, I'm also curious, Nathan. You know, you you started out with 25 kids, and now you're 450, and you've got a 200 student waiting list. One of the questions that I often get um, as a follow up to a lot of the conversations I have on Learning Unbox is that's super, super cool, but can it really scale? So you've got a waiting list. You've got folks wanting to come in. You're, 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 you're expanding beyond. But one of the great things that you know, that we, we heard you folks talking about is sort of the intimacy of the program. So how do you, how do you scale that successfully? Yeah. And that's really kind of the, the next question for us. Um, we're talking about maybe building an expansion and maybe a gymnasium um, to have sports programs. And I think we could probably grow this school to about 600 kids, but even if we get to 600, we're still going to have a waiting list because I think more families and students are going to demand flexible programs and and thoughtful programs than what we're ever going to be able to serve. Um, I, I maybe have a different take on it than some people, but the tools we have here are portable. Like I could give somebody to, to piggyback off, off the, the title of the podcast, I could give you a box, a village box with all the tools, but what's not portable is the culture. And we have amazing adults here that really are focused on students. I mean, like, I know Kenny just talked about it, but I mean, it's a family, it's a tight knit atmosphere. And we've got the most amazing adults I could find anywhere across this city in front of our kids. Um, I mean, we steal teachers from all over the city, uh, the most amazing educators. That, that, that part is harder to scale because you would have to do so much work around leadership, around culture, around the, the, the different proficiencies and skill sets that a teacher needs to have to teach in an environment like this versus standing in the front of the room and talking. Um, that, that part is, is, is a lot harder to scale. And that's where we would have to do a lot of work to replicate this or to kind of expand this model, if you will. Mm-hmm. Katie, what do you, what do you think about that from a, from a teacher perspective? Where's, where, where does that scale conversation fall for you? Um, we have the conversation all the time. <laughs> like, how do we do this for more kids? We love what we do. How do we get this to more kids, but not become a school of a thousand and lose all the the personalization that we have? Um, we talk about it with our teacher friends. Like, how do we save our teachers from our teacher friends from education <laughs> and bring them over here with us? Right? Like, they're struggling like I used to be struggling and overwhelmed and um, it's, it's hard to explain what we do over here. It, it's just like, I can't, I've, I oftentimes feel like I can't even like share different ideas. Like we'll try this or this because they're in a system and you can't necessarily do this in the system they're in. Like Nathan had to totally recreate and start over and have a different type of system. So a lot of it doesn't translate to regular schools. But we talk about, um, you know, do do we open up other campuses at different high schools? Do we open up other campuses in different parts of town? Um, transportation's an issue for us since we're a choice school. There's not transportation provided. So there are, I know quite a few kiddos who don't come because they have no way to get here. Um, and so figuring that out. 
Um, Nathan goes and talks to people all over the world yet or country? Yeah. The world. Let's just say the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and sharing these ideas so that mm-hmm. other people um, start playing with the same thing and coming up with the same thing. But yeah, we're, we're constantly talking about it. And then what do we do? Do we, do we split the school and take half of the staff to open up another campus and leave the other half? Do you really just hire brand new teachers that don't have an, an opportunity to see what we're doing here, you know, and they try to recreate it? How do you really build that um, leadership density, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, that teacher density mm-hmm. into a new program so that you can keep that culture so you can develop that amazing culture that we have? Yeah, yeah. And that's always a struggle. I mean, every time I have this particular conversation, uh, very, very similar components to it, right? You know, how how do we, we want to serve more kids and yet we, we know that this thing is special because, and it's this whole list of reasons and they're valid reasons, right? So what do you do with that? So um, absolutely. Uh, but I always like to ask the question because I know that people are wondering as they're listening. Um, I always like to sort of wrap the program up a little bit by um, recognizing there are folks out there that are listening to this and thinking about what you're saying, right? And wanting wanting to go um, and proceed with some of the pieces that they've they've heard. So I want to start with with our students. So you know, if you imagine a teacher, administrator, even somebody from the community, a parent or a student that's out there thinking, ah, this is really remarkable. Um, so so Kate, what would you what would you tell that teacher or administrator that wants to do something like this about the journey? What would you say to them to encourage them to proceed? I would say that it's, for me personally, it's opened up an entirely new world of things that I didn't even know were possible as a student. I'm able to do so many more things. So just reiterating that if you break free of that cycle of the traditionalist views of how school is supposed to be, it is so much better for students, teachers, administrators. It's just a better experience for school. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What about you, Kenny? Um, I would say it's just, it's more fun, I would say. <laughs> I mean, Miss Flan has, we have fun in class all the time. and It's just more hands-on and at some times, but also at other times it's online. And, but I, I would just say it's just a better mentally healthier environment than the traditional education system. Yeah. I love that because why shouldn't school be fun? I hear that all the time. All, all the time. Oh, it's just school. Well, school should be fun too. So Ms. Flan, um, the same question to you. What would you tell that teacher out there that's contemplating being part of something like this? Um, that it's scary to take that leap. Teachers, we also tend to be traditionalists and like we've been in education for a while and um, we're loyal to our schools, but um, it's so worth it. I've I've taught in several different districts. Um, I've taught overseas. And then um, I had a kiddo really late in my life (laughs) and I was still trying to do everything as a teacher at a traditional school you know, sponsor the clubs, do all these things, create amazing lessons. And I just couldn't, I was so burnt out. Um, and so I tried to go half time. but how do you really make that work at a school to go half time? And Nathan was like, 
I can do halftime. I have halftime positions all the time. Right. And then ends up once I got here, it's like, I don't need halftime. I can do this full time. Um, and so I've quit education a few times before and I was on the verge of it again. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I can go another 15 years. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely still hard things. Like we get so close with our students that oftentimes that's one of the hardest parts. Um, but I can, I can now have an outside life and raise my four-year-old and, um, just be more balanced. Whereas before I couldn't do that. I'd stay late till five. I'd come home, be great in papers again. You can't do that with a kid anymore. Like, so it really just extends our lease on our education life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that. Nathan, same question to you. Yeah. So just to piggyback off what Flan said, I think so many times in in my previous life, I was tired working on things that didn't matter to me. And now I'm tired because of the things that matter. And like, and I think that's what we all want out of life is we want to, we want to give ourselves to something that matters to us. Um, And I think that's a really important piece. But the other encouragement is I, I, you know, there's a lot of people tinkering around the edges of change in education but but to me, it's like it, it, we have to have a fundamental change. Like it, it, we can't we can't just continue to tweak a model that is broken and and pretend that it's going to somehow fix itself with these small tweaks. I mean, we really like we really said school is broken. Let's let's pull it apart and let's build it back into what makes sense in a totally different model and in a totally different way. And, and like I was sitting in a, a, a conversation and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but a conversation about the teacher shortage and what we're going to do about the, the looming teacher shortage. And one of the administrators said, well, we just got to, you know, go to local businesses and, and get them to give discounts. And I'm thinking if a teacher's thinking about leaving 20 percent off of their oil change is not going to keep them in the profession. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and, and, and we, and we have a bunch of teachers here that, that like, like Flan, we're, we're looking to leave education and we, and, and, and we have fundamentally, fundamentally changed their role to make it more thoughtful, to make it more meaningful. Like we hire the online curriculum here for a very specific purpose. We hire online tools to free up teacher time. And because teachers have more time then they can dedicate it to students which is why they got into the profession to begin with. And then the most amazing thing happens when you have kids that want to be at school and teachers that want to be at school and this cycle of positivity that just, just creates this awesome culture. And I, that's only possible if we break it down and rebuild it from scratch. You can't make a little tweak. Right. Right. hundred percent. I agree with that. So <laughs> we, we, we have the same conversations a lot around the world. I suspect you and I, um, I want to thank you all for making time uh, to have the conversation with us today. Um, and I will encourage our listeners uh, to reach out. We'll post lots of resources um, on the website with the show notes, but I just really appreciate the fact that you took the time and you shared your story today. So thank you so much. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, 
and lean in to reimagine education. 